Okay, are, are, we, uh, are we ready to hear a message then? I'm, I'm speaking about building community, but I want to speak on something that uh, we all go through. We all go through some opposition, do we not? I've just spoken this morning, somebody who's going through something, okay? I love his attitude, I love what he's saying, he's going through it, okay? And um, I want to speak about going through opposition this morning, because at some point, you, me, we will all face opposition, something, whether it's personally within ourselves or it's an external opposition, we all face some opposition, do we not? Or am I on my own in this room? We all face some opposition. You're probably facing something now, either in here or you're facing somebody or something externally that's pressurizing you and it feels like opposition. And when I read the story of Nehemiah, they're, they're just trying to build a wall. And uh, they're trying to build a wall to create security and safety for a community of people so that they're at peace. They just want peace for that community and prosperity and they're a broken down people. And all he's doing is trying to build a wall and, you know, he's resourced from the king and it's, you know, he has a vision to do it, a heart to do it and he rallies the troops to do it and, yeah, they're all up for doing it. They're enthused, there's excitement, there's passion, there's zeal to do it and then all of a sudden... There's opposition. You know, I believe if we're going to build something, okay, or we're going to have breakthrough in an area of our lives, then we're going to face some opposition. If you're going to advance, especially if you're going to advance something for God, we're going to see people get saved. We want, want, we want a community saved, amen? If we're going to see something, a change, a transformation, we're going to advance, then at some point, something's going to try and set us back. Would you agree? If we're really doing something for God in God's kingdom, the scriptures, when we look at them in the New Testament, we see opposition come towards them. If you're really going to do something to advance God's kingdom, if, you're gonna, if you really desire to see change personally in your life and more of God, I will guarantee it is not just plain sailing. God doesn't promise change to be plain sailing. Just change anyway is hard work. Naturally, we go back to our selfish ways, Okay. But if we're really going to do something, if you're going to really advance forward, if we're going to advance forward as a community, as a church, or we're going to advance into the community, I see opposition. I see setback. So I want to talk about the opposition that comes to Nehemiah this morning. And I want you to have this mentality, right? I'm going through, I'm growing through. Got it? Uh, there's opposition, but I'm going through and I'm growing through. Does that make sense? And we all face something, but if you have this mentality, yeah, I'm facing something, but I'm going through. You're not retreating back, I'm going through. And also, I'm growing through. In other words, what can I learn in this? What can I learn about myself through this opposition, this difficulty? Is it, a pers is it me personally? What can I learn about myself? But also, what can I find out about God in and through this? Can I discover a newness of God in and through this? Can I discover his power and his faithfulness in and through this? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So I have this mentality. There's opposition, but I'm going through and I'm growing through. So we're going to look at some of the opposition that Nehemiah faces. Let's look at the first one. For Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. And I've kind of dipped in and out of the order of them, so please excuse me on that. But the reason I've done that is because I want to hit this one first, because I think we face this one very often. The first one is anger of others against you. Have you ever come across anybody who's angry at you? 
Any, any enthusiastic car drivers in here? You know who you are. When somebody cuts you up, you know who you are. It's like you want to kill somebody when somebody cuts Where's that come from? Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1 to 3 says this. When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? So here we see Nehemiah is advancing, he's advancing the wall. He's building the wall, it's halfway there. And what happens is some people start getting angry. Who'd have thought that? You're doing something good. Has anybody tried to do something good and somebody's opposed you doing something good? All he's doing is something good and somebody opposes him. I, um, I often walk the dog over the fields, our little border terrier. And I was walking the dog and I saw something whilst I was walking the dog. And I saw a kestrel hovering. Anybody like kestrels hovering? Anybody into birds? Feathered birds. I thought it was hilarious when Ben prayed for a husband and a wife when he was standing up here. You saw the smile on some of their faces. I want that one. He was like, I can see you on a husband. I can see you on a wife. But the kestrel's a beautiful bird, right? It hovers. It's a magnificent sight to watch the kestrel hovering over. And I was watching it, and I'm just, you know, I'm out in, the, in nature, and, you know, God can speak to us through nature. He can speak to us through reading his word. He can speak to us through people, the love of people, the kindness of people. He can teach us through many different means. But I'm looking at this bird and I thought, wow, it's like God hovering over his creation. God hovers, hovers over and all of a sudden it dived down and it picked something up. And I thought, that's like God coming to rescue humanity. He's looked over us and he's hovered over us and he's come down to earth to rescue us and to pick us up. And it began to fly away, and as it was flying away, now I know it's killing something, so please excuse me on that one. I know it's not a brilliant illustration, but you'll see where I'm going in a minute. It came down, and it picked it up, and, it, and as it picked it up, it, 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 all of a sudden something else came into the equation. The magpie. He's got a bad reputation, Auntie. He's really got a bad name, that, that opposition, the magpie. All of a sudden, the magpie darts at the kestrel and tries to take what's precious to the kestrel. And he's, he's bombing around it, and I, my heart starts going. Anybody ever, did you watch that, that thingy world last year with the, the snakes and the lizards? Can you remember it on the tally? Has anybody seen it last year? <gasps> my heart was going tentative. This was one of those moments. The kestrel was trying to get away frantically, giving it all it could to get away, and the and the... And the the magpie's flying around it and tacking it. I'm like, magpie, get off me, kestrel. It's my kestrel. And, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do with the dog? I can't do anything. It's in the air. And I'm getting quiet. My heart's beating and beating, right? And all of a sudden, the kestrel kept going and going and going. And eventually, the magpie gave up. I was like, ching, get in there, kestrel. You nailed it. You got away. And as the, as the magpie flew back and landed, I thought to myself, do you know what? That's like us in life. We're so fixed with what we're going to do. And anything that comes against us, we see it as opposition. But actually, what I learned here was this. The magpie needed food for its young. It needed to survive itself as well. So actually, the magpie wasn't really that bad. It was just trying to survive. It was just doing what it needed to do. 
And I learned something on that day. Everything that may feel like opposition isn't always opposition. It's just people doing things for their own needs, their own means. Does that make sense? And this is like Tobiah in this story. Tobiah feels threatened. He has a trade route that goes all the way through Jerusalem. And he's concerned that as the, as the walls get built up and there's a kingdom that's established there, he feels threatened by this trade route that's going through. So he begins to rally against what's happening because he's like the magpie. I need to defend what's really mine. Why do I share that? Because that's where anger comes from. When we're affected by what we want and how that's affected me, all of a sudden anger riles up out of us and from other people. Can I encourage you with anger? Try and look at it from somebody else's point of view. Don't just jump and think, everybody's against me. No, they're not. They have their own reasons to do what they do. So the first thing of opposition we can face is anger. When people are angry at you, forgive them because sometimes they don't know what they're doing and they're just doing it for their own means. The second bit of opposition that he faces, which was in that scripture, is mockery and ridicule. Has anybody ever been mocked and ridiculed? <laughs> you know, my brother used to do when, he was li- when I was little, he used to tap me on the head. Oh, he used to do me head in. Lit- he used to, and he used to do this. And he used to belittle me in front of his mates, and he used to put me down all the time, and Call me names, stinky. Don't call me stinky. I shower every morning, ask me why. Right? But look, I know it's life. I know people say things, but people do put people down. You know, we, we are belittled in this world. People are sarcastic. They do put down. Now the Bible teaches us to build up, to encourage, to breathe new life into people. But here we see mockery, ridicule. Nehemiah 2 verse 19 says, But when Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What are you doing that Jesus thing for? What are you believing in God for? What a stupid thing to believe in God. Why, 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 why do we need to tell people about God? Has anybody ever experienced anything like this? I remember when I became a Christian, I knew I'd got to give up a way of life. I, not because God didn't love me. I just knew the way of life I was in had a grip of my life. It was like an idol in my heart, and, and, it, and it had me. I couldn't give it up. And I knew if I gave my life to God that I had to give that thing up. So what I did, I said, okay, God, I'm going to give it up. I, I, I don't want to be in that, that arena playing football and, in, and you know, drug scene and all that. I'm going to give it up, God. I finished with it. And this is what happened when I did it. People said to me, what are you doing? Duca, they used to call me. Don't call me. They don't call me Paul. My old friends call me Duca, right? Duca, what are you doing? This is stupid. How silly. What were they doing? They were mocking and ridiculing me because God was calling me into a new life. And if you're going to do something for God, I'll guarantee there'll be some things that'll try and get in your head that tell you, well, fancy doing that. Why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep going to church? Why do you keep bothering with people? Why do you keep forgiving them? Have a go at them back. So we find ridicule, sarcasm, mockery. And then the next one is this. Do we see threats and intimidation? This does get good in a bit, don't worry. <laughs> but I'm telling you this to make you aware of it. Because if we're not aware of what happens, we'll see it and we'll start fighting back at it. But if we can be aware of the opposition, it's the first form of defense that actually we're not going to engage with that behavior because we're bigger than that. 
We're not going to respond to the anger. We're not going to respond to the ridicule. We're not going to respond to mockery and sarcasm. And the next one is threats and intimidation. Nehemiah 4 verse 8 says, They all plot together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. So here we see, we see here a difficulty of somebody trying to build something. We see people getting angry. We be, see people belittling. And then we see people intimidating and threatening. Now, I hope there's none of those in here, is there? There's nobody coming in here to threaten me this morning. Can I see your faces? Are you threatening? Any threatening looks? No? Any smiles? It's good to encourage one another. But here's the deal. He faces threats and intimidation. So the first three, what we see here, really are external opposition. Things that people say, they come against us, try and belittle us, tell us we're no good, we can't do it, don't include us in things, push us out of groups, manipulating rather than including us and encouraging us on the journey. Has anybody faced any of these or is it just me? So the next three I'm going to touch on, these ones are actually, they can be external but actually they become internal. And I think these are the biggest ones that we face personally ourselves. So the next opposition he faces is discouragement and exhaustion. Anybody feeling discouraged? Is anybody out there this morning? <laughs> anybody ever felt discouraged? Wanting to give up, had enough? We all face that one. Exhaustion, you're tired. There's no strength in you. It says here in chapter 4, verse 10, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we can't rebuild this, the wall. This is what the people are starting to say now. So it's gone from external, people having a go, to actually we're internalizing it now. I, I, I just can't do this. There's too many problems. I just, I, I'm just struggling. And I'm, all of a sudden, we become discouraged and our strength begins to deteriorate. And we haven't got the strength what we once had the enthusiasm to do. Okay? We're beginning to internalize something. Are you aware of the opposition now? I'm just hopefully making you aware of where it comes from and how it gets in. It says, also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, they will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. So the pattern here is we face some opposition. It doesn't go the way we want it. We didn't get the job that we, that we wanted. We didn't get the relationship or the person left me, the person hurt me. You know, some things have gone wrong in my life. And if we're not careful, we can internalize it and become discouraged and become weaker. Am I making sense? So then what happens is we blame God or we blame other people. And actually, it's your choice and your response that causes you to go deeper with God, your relationship with him, and how he wants you to respond in and through the opposition. Remember, we're going through, we're growing through. You don't want to grow now, do you? You don't want to grow now, do you? I'm going to say it again. We're going through, we're growing through. So whatever enemy you face, whatever giant you face, whatever discouragement you face, you need to have a mentality that says, no, I'm going through, I'm growing through. Negativity is the next one. It moves from discouragement to in the mind and you start to live a negative life. And we're all good at this one. We can all find something that's wrong. 
you know we can all find a problem we can all find how how like they did oh look at the rubble look at the mess look at the problems look I'm never going to be good enough I'm looking at my past I'm I'm despised I'm I've been belittled and who will I ever become what good ever comes out of Nazareth you're hearing it this is a negativity that gets into our thinking that we need to be aware of are you still my friend this morning I'm trying to make you aware of the opposition externally, but also internally, where we internalize it and we think we can't do it and we're not good enough because it's got into our thinking from things that were said in the past or situations that didn't go my way and I'm hurt and I'm broken and I've been hurt. God's saying, no, I want to rebuild the rubble. I know it's rubble, but I want to rebuild it. I want to pull you out of that situation and get you built back up in me and what my word says about you, not what your past says about you. I want to re redesign your future in me. Are you still with me? So negativity comes in. It says, chapter 4, verse 12, then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over. It's like we exaggerated. Everything's a problem. Everything's difficult. Is it it just me that goes through this? Is it just me that deals with negativity? Or are you all like further on than me that I I just need to catch up? Is anybody else? We can be masters at negativity, can't we? We really can. Can we put some lights on, guys, please? I can't see people. We're masters at negativity. But let's flip the coin and get masters at something else. Amen? It says... Whenever, 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Now, what's happening here, they're becoming victims. They've been fastened in. They're victims. They're freezing, which leads us to the next part, which is fear. You don't have a go at it. You daren't have it. You daren't step out. You daren't tell anybody about Jesus. You, 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 you daren't because of what people think about you. Thank you. You daren't tell anybody about Jesus because what happens if they reject you and you feel inadequate and ridiculed and you feel like people, you, it's sarcasm over your life because you're stupid because you're telling people about Jesus. No, no, no. We need to come against that. Don't allow fear into your life. Don't allow fear to stop you and freeze you and say you can't, you're not good enough. You're never going to do it. That's fear that's freezing you. God says, I want you to come against fear and I want you to come with faith. Right? Faith, faith attacks fear even though there is fear. You'll never eradicate all of your fears. You'll never eradicate all your fears. It is impossible because it, it, you're in a bubble that doesn't exist. For example, you're going to get to the end of your life one day and you're going to face probably that fear of your body de de you know, decaying and you're facing your worst fears and leaving your family behind and all of these thoughts that are there that can consume us. You're never going to eradicate all of that. But faith says, even though I have fears, I will conquer. Faith says, even though we have an enemy, my God is overcome. Even though I die, I shall live again, faith says. Are you hearing it? So you need to be aware and wake up to the opposition that's in this world. Satan's plan is to rob you and to steal from you. He wants you to not live a fulfilled life. He wants you to think that you're not good enough. He wants to hold you back from the building process, from the growing process, from the going through. I need some going throughers in here. Are there any going throughers in here? You know, we don't go through in our own strength. We don't overcome, the Bible says, in our own strength. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 
So in other words, it's Jesus' blood that gets me through. It's Jesus' blood that makes me right with God. It's Jesus' blood that gives me peace. It's Jesus' blood that gives me joy. It's Jesus' blood that gives me victory because I can receive his spirit because of Jesus. And then it's his spirit that strengthens me and builds me from the inside out. So now you're aware of the enemy. Can I encourage you? Don't become the enemy. Don't become the enemy. Don't take him on board and become the enemy within the camp. Don't become the negative person that puts, don't become the sarcastic one. Don't become the one who belittles people. Be the one who's a builder and lifts up. Be the one who comes with faith in the room and says, come on, guys, we can do it. Come on, teams, we can do it. Come on, you can do that job. Come on, come on, come on, keep going, keep going. Do you know what I'm saying? But don't, don't be aware of the enemy, but don't bring it into the camp. Talk to people. Love people. You know, you're going to come along negative people. Don't stand there and say, you're a negative person. Love them. <laughs> love them with the love of God. And hopefully, you know, if you've got a relationship where you can talk to someone, say, come on, you're being a bit negative. Let, we're a people of God. We're a people of faith. Let's focus on what, God, what we can do in God, not just what we're doing in our own flesh. So those are the opposition. So how do we respond? How does Nate, are you still with me this morning? Is this making sense? I know it seemed quite negative, but we need to be aware that there is an opposition. There is an enemy of this world. He's been stealing and killing and robbing for many years. It, it, turn, the, turn the tally on. Turn the tally on. Go and walk in the streets. Talk to people how broken they are. He's been doing it for too long. It's like he's invisible and nobody wants to mention him. No, he's been robbing and stealing for too long. But there's one who's greater than that who's come into this world, who's comes to give life and life to the full. And it's our responsibility to take that life and live a fulfilled life so we can testify about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the peace of God, the joy of God in our lives. So people say, why are you joyful even though you're going through a death situation? Why, are you, why have you still strong even though you, you're weak but you're strong what is it about it and you can say well this is my situation I'm still grieving but I'm not going to grieve forever I'm not going to carry grief with me all the days of my life because my God is greater and I have a hope in this world let me tell you about this hope that I have in Jesus this is why I'm at peace because of the hope I have in Jesus therefore we can share so let's look at how we get through some points. How do we respond to the opposition? How does Nehemiah respond? My first point is this. You can call it prayer. I've called it to connect with God. Because when we say prayer, sometimes we, we see that we've got to sit down and pray and talk to God. Which we do, but there's more to prayer than sitting and having a conversation with God. It's a, commun a communion with God on a daily basis. Is that making sense? Now, we need to spend time to pray to God and connect to God because if we don't do that and be intentional about it, when, when, when the enemy comes or the difficulty comes, the trial comes, we haven't got anything to base our lives on. Okay, so there is a part of spending time with God and in the word of God, the teaching and getting people around you are going to build you up. But at the end of the day, it's your relationship with God. And when the opposition comes, you have to personally go through it yourself. So I've called it to connect with God. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 20, it says, this is when they came against him after they had the idea that he's going to do something. It says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. See, his connection with God 
was paramount in everything he did. It was his connection with God that, 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 that strengthened him through the difficulties. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem. Enemy, you have no share over my life. You have no permission or no claim or no historic right over my life because of Jesus Christ, because of the blood of the Lamb paid for, for my life. Therefore, the past is the past and I'm forgiven. You have no right to rob me. Negativity, you have no permission to be in my life anymore. You bow the knee and get out of my mind because the word of God says Jesus is greater. Are you with me? So it's a battle, guys. You've got to wake up to the battle in order to testify that Jesus is alive and real. So connect with God. You know, most of you, some of you have walked in here today and you've connected to Wi-Fi. I can see some of you on the phone at the moment. Hopefully you're listening to me and listening, doing something on your phone. <laughs> but here's the deal. You walk in here, some of you have connected to Wi-Fi. Some of you will go home and you'll walk in your house and you'll automatically connect to Wi-Fi. Will you not? You just automatically go in and it connects. And, or you'll go to McDonald's and you get a message saying, put in your email and they get all your details then and they know you go in. They get your details and you, oh, the NHS give you 30 minutes. Is it 30 minutes? You, how many? 15, right? Nurses are telling me they get the 15 minutes every day. Right, 15. You get 15 minutes free. You walk in somewhere, it automatically connects. But you know, you go home, you walk in and we just take it for granted that it automatically connects. And then I'm, I access and I've got all this information and I'm connected to the World Wide Web and, you know, I'm, I have all this knowledge and all this stuff that comes to me. Here's the deal, right? When you connected, you had to intentionally connect first of all. You had to, first of all, put in the right details and the password in to connect you. Do you agree? And then when you're at home, you automatically connect. It's the same with God. You have to realize what the, what the name is you're connecting to. You have to know what the password is. It's Jesus is the name. The blood of the lamb is the password. And I enter into his presence. Therefore, I can connect with God daily. I don't need to make it happen. I just automatically connect to him. But if you don't know what this says, if you don't know the truth... You don't know the grace of God and the love of God and not connected for yourself personally. You can come into a room like this and feel like you don't connect. Well, everybody else has got Wi-Fi. Why haven't I got it? Because you've not learned to connect. You, you, you've not been intentionally like Nehemiah and knew what the word of God says. He knew that God would give him success. Do you know that God wants you to be successful? Or are you just hearing the words of the preacher? Do you know for yourself that God says, I want you to be success. I want you to prosper. I want you to be an overcomer. Do you know it yourself? So that when the enemy comes, you go, no, I am successful in God. Because I'm connected to the Wi-Fi. Are you hearing it? I did the work. I found out what the word said and what the password was so that I can connect daily. I can connect when I, when I face the opposition. I have the Wi-Fi connection. Woo! I mean, how awesome is that? All of heaven's resources available for you to overcome. All you need to do is remind yourself like Nehemiah. He reminded himself. No, God's promised us success. God's promised us victory. God says, I'm, a, I'm more than an overcomer in him. I'm, more, I'm not just an overcomer. Well, I'll do okay. No, you're more than an overcomer. Uh, you've been belittled. Don't belittle yourself anymore. Intimidation. Don't, don't allow that in there to make yourself small. God says, I want you to understand who I am. 
and how big I am and how great and how vast my love is. Because when that consumes us, there's nothing, no enemy, no weapon, no demon, nothing that can overcome the love of God. Woo, this is you being filled with your word because you have your own connection, your own Wi-Fi. It's pretty good what God's done. You know, in the Old Testament, what they had to do is the priest had to give the information to the priest. And the priest went in. He had the Wi-Fi connection. He went into the temple. He, he spoke to God in the temple. Then he came out. He didn't share the Wi-Fi connection because they weren't allowed in there. He was the only one. The sacrifice, the lamb was taken in. The, 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 the a lamb was sacrificed and the blood was poured on the altar as an offering as holiness. And only the priest could go in to the temple. Jesus is the great priest. Jesus has made access to anyone who believes in him. And you have access to all of heaven's resource available to you to make you successful in this life. And it's simply by faith in Jesus and following him. And finding out what, what resource he's given you so he can empower you for life. And you can do good work in this world. How's your Wi-Fi connection today? Is it on one bar, two bar, three bar, four bar, five bar? I want a five bar connection. I know I want an ultra fiber, whatever you do. I know that's a wired. Don't tell me after. But I want the best Wi-Fi connection. Listen, who's telling you that you haven't got the best Wi-Fi connection? Because it's not God. God gave his precious life so that you can have a connection with him. The only one who's going to tell you that you're not good enough and you can't enter into the presence of God is the accuser of the brethren who stands there and says you can't have it all. But God says, I paid for it so you can have it all. I gave my precious son so that you can come in and you can learn from me and I can empower you that so you can be an overcomer. So you can testify of my love and my grace and how I've helped you and rebuilt that rubble in your life that the enemy's been telling you that it's not good enough. God says, I'm going to use that rubble and I'm going to rebuild it for a testament for my glory and my name. Amen? You know, we've got to know what the promises of God are. Jeremiah 29, we, we know it, verse 11 says, I, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. This is the word of God spoken through a prophet to his people who went through many trials and opposition over the years. And it might have seemed like they had steps forward, but then they had step backs as a group of people. But here's the word of God who promises never to harm you. I give you hope and a future in him. Now we may go through trials and things, but God says, I'm faithful and I have my word. I'm faithful to my word and I'm not going to harm you, but I give you a future and a hope in me. And we need to remind ourselves of that future and that hope so that when we go through opposition, we stand strong on the hope that God has given us. We remain steadfast in his promises through the Wi-Fi connection. How's your Wi-Fi connection? Because you've got the best Wi-Fi connection that's available to you. Jesus gave his precious blood so you could come into his presence. Don't let the devil rob you. Don't let the opposition tell you that you're not good enough and you can't come into his presence. You can't use his, his power on a daily basis. God has made access to you. Given you access into his presence. So connect to God. Remind yourself, have a hunger for the word of God and remind yourself what you can do in him. Are you still with me? And the next point then is learn self-control. Connect to God and learn self-control. 
You know, you heard this morning, Tyndale, he's testifying, he's, he's learning to give thanks, and it's not easy, but he's learning to do it. He's learning to do it. It takes time. It takes discipline. It takes self-control for you to take thought captives that are not true. Thoughts that are there that need to be renewed that tell you you're inadequate or you're not good enough because of things that you grew up around or things that happened to you or somebody who offended you and is affected a part of your heart. And you, you need to go through a process of discipline and learning. When we say discipline, I don't mean someone who's telling you off. A, a, a lesson of love and nurturing like a child, right? So that you can be taught the truths. But it takes self-control. It takes somebody that says, actually... I'm not going to listen to those wrong thoughts anymore. I, I, my, my precious God has paid for them. I'm not going to keep looking at the rubble and seeing it as rubble. I'm going to see it as building blocks now. I'm changing the way I think. I, I'm not living in the past. I'm living in my future and the hope that he gives me. I'm tired of playing games with God now. I want to get real with God, and I want to see my life change. And you know, it's a journey. It doesn't all happen. Sometimes we want the quick fix and say, God, change me now. And sometimes he does that. But other times he's like, no, I need you to go through this. Because if you go through this, this will make you. This will grow you. This will give you a bigger capacity for the future so that you can take on more things. And we want a quick fix sometimes like the Israelites in the Old Testament. But God's saying, I want you to just defeat this giant yourself. I want you to face it. I want you to face your fear. I want you to face that inadequacy. I want you to push through the things that are telling you you're not good enough. And listen, in me you're going to get through. If you remain faithful and steadfast, you will get through. Nehemiah, it says in chapter 4, verse 6, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. They were having opposition, but he said, you know what? I'm going to carry on with this job. The wall needs building. I'm going to build the wall. The bills need paying, I'm going to pay the bills. The job needs doing, I'm going to do it. The relationships I need to connect with, I'm going to connect with. The kids need looking after, I'm going to wake up and look after the kids. The sandwiches make, need making for the lunch, I'm going to make them in the morning. I'm not going to get negative about them. I'm not going to be, you know, intimidated by the ham and the butt. I'm just going to get up and get on and do it because it needs doing. As Nike said, just do it. Just do it. Something needs building. There's a problem somewhere. Help. See where you can help. But it takes self-control. It takes someone that said, you know what? I'll do that. I can do it. You know, you know the bumblebee? I saw a bumblebee be in the backyard the other day. We've got a rhododendron for those who understand plants, right? A rhododendron. Look at me gardening. Rhododendron in the back garden. It's starting to flower. And a big bumblebee came along. And if you know about the bumblebee, scientists and aerodynamic kind of people, that's probably not the right word. But, you know, those kind of people all to do with aeroplanes and flight, they, you, they've done tests on it and they look at it and the weight of it and the wingspan and, and they've proven that actually it should not fly. It doesn't make sense that actually the bumblebee should not fly. The weight of it, the wingspan, it just shouldn't, scientists are like, it shouldn't fly. You know that bumblebee, he doesn't wake up on a Monday, and say, you know what, I might not be able to fly today. There's a lot of buzzing going around, but maybe he buzzes because he doesn't want to hear that negativity. <laughs> Just keep buzzing, guys. We're going to listen to what these people say. <laughs> not listening. <laughs> they keep telling me I can't fly. 
I can fly. Come on, church, you can fly. Your past might say, well, you shouldn't fly. You can fly. Have a bumblebee mentality on a Monday. I can fly today, I can do it. Statistically and things that are happening and everything that's going on, I don't think I can get through my day. But I'm a bumblebee and I can fly. I can fly like a bumblebee. If God can make a bumblebee fly when people think think it shouldn't, he can do more with broken people and transform them by the power of God, through the word of God. When we connect with him and his truth and he starts to rebuild us, he makes us brand new in the beginning and he starts to rebuild us. We have to discipline ourselves to say, actually, I can do this. Actually, it is hard. Like Tinder, it is hard. Life is hard. And it, it throws things at us. But in God, like the bumblebee, I can get through. I have a Wi-Fi connection. I have a bumblebee mentality. And tomorrow, I'm going to get on and I'm going to make it happen and I'm going to do it. God's calling us to make a difference. Are you still with me? So my last, I'm going to skip the next point. The next point was actually be aware of the enemy. Nehemiah, actually, he was aware of the enemy, but he did something intentionally about it. He did something. He put guards on the walls. It says he prayed about it, which is good. We need to pray about things, but then we need to do something. Prayer in itself won't solve the problem. You have to do something to actually deal with whatever is is mastering you. Whatever is out of control in your life, you have to do something and put something in place. So, for example, if it's finance, you have to put a budget in place and live within the budget. Okay? If it's, if it's pain or hurt, you need to go through a process of applying the principles of God to forgive people and then be kind to people rather than what's happened to you and begin to change something. So we need to be aware of the enemy, but you need to put something in place. It said he put the soldiers on the walls. You know, guys, we need to watch out for one another. It says they positioned themselves, and it says one group went on the wall and watched while the others, while the others built the wall. You know, they took it in turns. It was a team effort. You watch my back while I do this job. We don't want people that are stabbing each other in the back. We need people who are going to build each other and watch out for each other. You know, not belittling people. We need to be Builders that said, you know what, I'll pray for you. I'll stand on the wall. I'll cover you. Keep going. I've got your back. These are the kind of people that we need. It says actually that they kept their clothes on, which sounds a bit of a, an odd thing, but they were prepared to be awake. They had one sword in the hand and another thing in the hand for working with. And that's how we got to be. We've got to go to work and do our job, but we've got to hold the word of the Lord in our hands daily. Don't forget why you're doing this. You're doing it to bring glory to God. You're doing it with a higher purpose, which is to love people. Be successful, prosper, but always have your sword in your hand that remembers that there's people going to hell if they don't know Jesus Christ. There's people whose destinies are not safe if we don't introduce them to Jesus. They had a sword in the hands. And I'm going to finish with this last part. Oh, by the way, that guarding. Also, make sure you guard your heart. The Bible says it's the most important thing to guard is our hearts because out of it flows the issues of life, the things that happen to us. So guard your heart. Put Jesus number one. Forgive people like he forgave you. It's not easy. It hurts, I know. But if you put Jesus first and guard your heart, 
I'll tell you now, your life will prosper. You'll be much healthier, much more content as you apply Jesus' principles. So keep God in your heart and let's watch out for one another. And the last thing is be courageous. Doesn't matter what enemy faces, what fear, what disappointment, what exhaustion. At some point, you're going to have to say, well, I'm going to have to rally some courage within me and get on with it. I'm going to have to, like Nehemiah did when he was many distractions coming at him, I'm going to have to pick myself up and go again. Now it says in Nehemiah 4.14, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles. So he's not ignoring the difficulties. He's not ignoring everything that's going on. Said to the nobles, the, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Church, I want to say to you this morning, we face things, but don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of rejection. Don't be afraid of your fears. Acknowledge them. Be aware of them. But be courageous enough to push through them. I remember when I first met Sarah, I was terrified of getting married. I used to have this dream that the girl that I was going to marry was late for the service and I sat at the back for some reason I didn't get it I was sat at the back maybe it was a backslider I don't know I sat at the back of this church and every time the message would come in this dream she's not coming and this fear gripped me with commitment because I thought Sarah won't stay with me and I'd been hurt and I'd been broken and people had left me before in, in a broken relationship but you know what on that day I thought if I don't push through this whatever's the other side I'm going to miss out on I'm going to miss out on a, on, a, on, a, on a marriage and a love that I'm believing for in the future. So I'm going to have to be courageous. You know, and fear gripped me and things that, you know, adequacies and what will happen. But I just thought, you know what? I need to be courageous. I need to man up a bit. I need to get over myself and choose in my heart to commit to this woman. And hopefully she'll commit to me and it'll work out if we keep Jesus at the center and we'll be all right. And so far, we're doing all right. I'm telling you that because of this. I'm telling you that because... You know, when there's a fear or there's something that's stopping you, it's because there's something better the other side. There's something that God has for you the other side. And the enemy puts fears in our lives and inadequacies in our lives because he wants to grip us and hold us and stop us being everything that he wants us to be. But Nehemiah said, don't be afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid to his disciples. And then he said this, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember God who is great and awesome. Remember your God who is bigger than the fears you face. Remember your God who, who, who inspired David to take down Goliath. Remember the God who's awesome. Remember the God who's great. He's for you, not against you. And then he does this. He goes at the heart to the people. And fight. Man up. Focus, be disciplined, get on with it. He doesn't say that, it's my word in. He says this, fight for your families. Fight for your families. He says, fight for your sons and your daughters, your wives and your home. Church, this is why we're here. This is why Jesus died for people. He didn't die to build walls. He, he died for people. 
And I want to encourage you on the fight. Don't give up on the fight because you have wives, you have husbands, you have sons, you have daughters, you have homes that need to encounter the presence of God in your life. And God's calling us to be builders. He's calling us, you know, to continue to connect to him. Be aware of the enemy. Continue on the journey of going through and growing through. And let's believe for the glory of God to come in and through you. Amen. Let us stand. You know, it said in Nehemiah, the God of heaven will give us success. It's a mentality. Are you believing for success? Is there anybody who's believing to do well? The, the, the opposite of that is don't do well. Does anybody want to not do well? Maybe we need a conversation if that's how you're thinking. That's not who God is. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to do well. He wants you to grow in the fruits and in the kindness of God. So I'm going to pray. And Dave's going to play. And we're going to sing a song declaring God's goodness. So Father, we just, just open your heart where you are. Maybe you face some of these fears and they've been bigger than you. And maybe you need to connect to God. Your Wi-Fi needs to be tuned in today. 